Sure looks like that to me. Are you sure you really want to go with that decision? It was my decision. Well, okay then. <laughs> Greetings, friends. And uh, welcome in to this, the 233rd edition of Fusebox, inclemently entitled Cold Comfort. And I'm your Flash Frozen for extra zestiness host, Mark Rose. And over there, peering through the ice-blue fog-enshrouded LEDs and blinking speaker cones, is the Archbishop of Amplitude himself, Milt Keynes, everybody. Well, thank you kindly. You know, it's getting kind of chilly with all this frosty banter. <laughs> I saw what you did there. <laughs> Just doing my part, man. I mean, <laughs> Masterful, sir. So, so what the hell does that really mean, anyway? What, the title yeah. or, or that expression? Yeah, both. Well, uh, the, the uh, official Webster's definition is that it means inadequate consolation for a misfortune. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I could say, the good news about the economy was cold comfort to those folks who had lost their jobs. Roger that. Yeah. Well, you know, this all came about from our last show when we were uh, talking about some rather grim AI fails. Uh, in particular, uh, the, at the uh, prompting by some researchers, the AI was asked to uh, synthesize a number of chemicals with just two words of instruction. So the AI complied and happily started to create a list of 40,000 chemicals, including a toxic nerve gas outlawed since World War I. But once the AI, quote, researched the nature of the compound, it decided against recreating it. Now that was cold comfort the researchers got from the AI. Yeah. Ugh. And you know what? That's kind of what we're getting here in our world today. Cold Comfort, in many ways. Well, we've got an interesting... Well, I, I don't think it's an actual update, but it's an interesting uh, set of observations from uh, a few folks on regulating this uh, AI thing. And uh, one chap in particular that uh, uh, rang a bell for me is Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia. And he says that believing it can be regulated, that is, AI, is akin to... Magical thinking. <laughs> yes. Wales says in many cases, politicians and their aides have a weak understanding of how the Internet works and what it is possible to achieve. And uh, Mr. Wales here, he, he spent uh, uh, many, many hours explaining uh, both technology uh, and its role in free speech to uh, politicians around the globe. And uh, he goes on to say, the question of a body like the United Nations regulating AI 
is is like suggesting the UN regulate Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, and good luck with all your future endeavors. <laughs> yes, and speaking to that whole uh, UN notion of uh, whether AI should be regulated and uh, to what extent, uh, actually did get a, a severe head of steam this summer when uh, UN Secretary General uh, Antonio Guterres convened the first ever UN Security Council meeting to specifically discuss its uh, potential dangers. And uh, they were talking about everything from uh, AI-powered uh, cyber attacks to the risk of malfunctioning AI. Uh, <laughs> we already know what that looks like. How AI can spread uh, misinformation and even the interaction between AI and nuclear weapons. Ugh. Yeah. Well... Mr. Uh, Guterres said, uh, without action to address these risks, we are derelict in our responsibilities to present and future generations. And uh, uh, he's, he's moved on with this uh, idea and uh, has established a U.N. panel to investigate what global regulation might be needed, called the High-Level Advisory Body for Artificial Intelligence. And this is going to comprise, quote, present and former government experts, as well as experts from industry, civil society, and academia. But you know, a few folks remain a wee skeptical about this idea, and one such person is uh, Pierre Harin, or Harin, who has been researching AI for 45 years. Well, he might have a thing or nine to say. Yeah, he's well-versed. Uh, Mr. Harin's uh, experience includes uh, seven years at computer giant IBM, where he led the team that uh, installed Watson supercomputer technology for customers over there, debuted, by the way, in 2010. And uh, what Watson does is it can answer a user's questions and obviously was one of the uh, pioneers of AI. In 2010? Yeah, Man, this shit has been creeping up on us for years. Oh, you're soaking in it, Mr. Keynes. Uh, despite Mr. Harren's uh, background, he says he was flabbergasted by the emergence and capability of chat GPT and uh, other so-called generative AI programs over the past year. He says that uh, such an ability is human-like. Quote, this thing is not like a parrot repeating what we feed into it. It's making high-level analogies. <laughs> so, a fair question to ask would be, well, then, how can we create a set of rules to stop this AI getting out of control? Well, we can't, he says, because some countries won't sign up to them. He says, we live in a world with non-cooperative nations, like North Korea and Iran. He says... They won't recognize regulations around AI. The regulation of non-cooperative actors is pie in the sky. Can you imagine Iran looking for a way to destroy Israel and caring about AI regulations? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Why would they give up an unfair advantage? So the question is, if you're going to do this, what form... Should a future UN regulatory body on uh, AI take? And uh, one suggestion that's floating around out there is that it mirrors the International Civil Aviation Organization, which uh, regulates global air travel and its safety. Now, this has a uh, 
193-member nation roster. And uh, Robert Opp is one AI expert who actually backs the formation of a body similar to the ICAO. Mr. Opp is chief digital officer for the UN Development Program. And uh, this agency is tasked with uh, helping countries drive economic growth and uh, end poverty. And his job sees him uh, trying to find ways to make technology boost the organization's impact. This includes the use of AI to uh, quickly check satellite images of farmland in impoverished areas and so forth. And uh, Mr. Opp says he, he doesn't want to impede that kind of capability or restrain the potential of generative AI to assist the poor in uh, building up a business. But he also accepts the potential downside of AI. He says, there is a sense of urgency (laughs) in figuring out AI governance, Uh, urgent or not. uh, Wikipedia's Mr. Wales thinks the UN is utterly misguided. (laughs) Well, he believes the international bodies are making a big error in uh, overestimating the role of tech giants like Google in the uh, avalanche of AI products. Uh, Mr. Wales adds that no amount of good intentions can hold back individual software developers and their use of AI. He says that uh, beyond the boundaries of uh, tech giants, Countless programmers are using freely available AI software uh, where baseline code is available across the Internet. He says there are tens of thousands of individual developers who are, de- who are building on these innovations, and regulation of them is, is never going to happen. And on that happy note, we're all doomed. <laughs> well, I, I, there's a lot to be said there. I mean, we use a lot of tools, even in this program that are AI-influenced, clearly. So it is everywhere, and it's kind of like, you know, unringing a bell. But we will see, Mr. Keynes, because they said similar things uh, way back when, when uh, VHS tapes uh, were going to, quote, close movie theaters forever. And, uh, and frankly, even the invention of the phonograph would kill live music for all time. Yeah. But a phonograph never started a nuclear war because it thought you were an imperfect specimen. (laughs) Well, still reading those Magnuses, aren't you? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. When we return, another great moment in invention history and some more insipid delusions from down there, in that area, down there. Stay with us, can't we? You know, this is really a terrible disappointment to me. Just want to take a pause in the proceedings here to let you know about our friends at Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine, the premier source of all things uh, Grindhouse. In issue number two, one of my all-time favorite guilty pleasures, a film called Street Trash, directed by Jim Murrow, is featured in great detail by a guy who should know he was in it. Mike Lackey, who played Fred the Bum in this glorious melt movie from 1987. A mysterious beverage appears on Skid Row called Tenafly Viper, and when consumed has, uh, shall we say, a disastrous aftertaste. In glorious, oversaturated color. It's what makes Grindhouse Resurrection a valuable resource, friends. 
articles written by the folks who were there, and like in Mike's case here, were a part of it. 96 pages of glossy goodness in each issue and not a speck of cereal. Check it out in the link in the show description. Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. TheFuseBoxShow.com Alrighty, before we jump into things here, friends. Um, a programming note. Oh, should I uh, write this down? Let me, uh, let me get a uh, no, 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 Mr. Keynes. Uh, actually, it's not our program. It's uh, another, as it turns out. Um, our good friend and colleague, John Barber, whose program called uh, Reimagined Radio, uh, which can be found, by the way, at reimaginedradio.net, is uh, doing us a solid some may recall I have talked about in the past a, uh, a series of, well, actually, the first radio series my production partner, Gerald McQuen, and I were ever involved in, a show called Dry Smoke and Whispers Holodio Theater. Now, it, it, it premiered back in 1980 on a little fledgling community radio station in Tampa, Florida, WMNF, and then went on to be heard uh, all over the place. Uh, through uh, syndication, including <laughs> XM Sirius Satellite Radio. But, you know, that's a whole other car seat of kinkajous. Careful. Don't want to get any on you. Uh, so after we uh, paused uh, producing that series in 1985 or thereabouts, we, we endeavored to uh, dabble in the dark waters of... Uh, commercial radio. That yeah, Yes, friends, that's right. There was actually a time in this country, not for very long, mind you, <laughs> but that you could actually get radio drama on the air on commercial radio. Madness. Heresy. Yes. Well, it was. And so we created a series called Shriek Show. If you can hear it, it can see you. This Shriek Show. That's right. And uh, we did that back in 1989. And these were half-hour stories with a kind of horror science fiction leaning. And uh, as an aside, uh, friends, if you have a moldering issue of Fangoria magazine in a closet under those stinking sweaters somewhere in there, we have an ad in one of them uh, back in 1989 for this radio series. And uh, for Shriek Show, we thought we'd craft a story using the uh, dry smoke characters and setting. And uh, therein was uh, born this story we called Azizia. Gesundheit. Thank you. Well, this story was part of the shows that we uh, syndicated into the series and played around the U.S. and uh, ultimately in uh, three countries for a year, and then was promptly forgotten. Seriously. Shelved. Uh, the writing was on the slab as to uh, how long stations would be uh, accepting this type of programming, and we all knew it. So uh, there it remained in uh, cold storage until now. This episode will air in its entirety and uh, not in the original two episodes parts uh, that it was uh, originally created. Through the magic of editing. That's right. You'll get the whole darn thing in one blast in the next Reimagined Radio, hosted by our buddy John Barber on October 
16th. Heard on the actual radio on that day as well, on KXRW-FM at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and of course is streamed all over the world, and uh, available on demand immediately uh, thereafter at uh, reimaginedradio.net and I believe uh, Apple Podcasts and all those places that you find your podcast material just like this one. Well, that's cool, bro. So what was that like? Hearing it after uh, nearly 35 years. Uh, scary as hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and not because it's, it's a, it, it, it is a rather scary take on things. I mean, I mean, we really went for it in those days. We really did. A couple notes on cast here, too. The character Alex Hunt is played by a chap named uh, Kevin Quigley, who at the time was uh, very active in a reoccurring role in Swamp Thing. What, you mean the TV series? <laughs> the t- yes, the TV series. Wow. Yeah. Huh. He was a great guy and gave us exactly what we needed for this. Uh, just a great chap. And the uh, character Abra Shahad is played by Linda Stroh, uh, who is now in uh, L.A., and last I spoke to her, she was working with a big casting agency down there, one that will remain nameless. Again, uh, it, it was tremendous working with these two folks. Um, uh, catch the totally neglected and woefully unheard episode of Dry Smoke and Whispers, Helodio Theater, Azizia, coming Monday, October 16th, to a pair of ear holes near you. All right. Well, now, friends, it's time for another Fusebox public service, this time in the form of a history lesson. Is that revisionist history? Uh, No, Mr. Keynes, the uh, absolute, albeit painful, truth. As we take you now to Paris in 1912, atop the Eiffel Tower, as we bring you another stellar example of... Television is most certainly here to stay. Great moments in invention history. It's a cloudy day, light rain, and a gusting wind here at the top of the Eiffel Tower in Paris. I'm standing with Franz Reichelt, the inventor of the coat parachute. Uh, Mr. Reichelt, I'd just like to uh, sort of clarify something, if I may. Uh, It doesn't really look like you're wearing a parachute at all, as a matter That's because it's a coat parachute. Right, right. I I, I see that you're wearing a coat. It's just that... London Fog, it's a classic. Right. Yes, I'm I'm actually rather fond of uh, London Fog line myself. I have some of their shoes. But you're about to jump... Almost a thousand feet. And, uh, I don't see a parachute. Yeah, it's cleverly concealed. Coats, bis in coats, yeah? All double-breasted when spring-loaded for release based upon elevation and air pressure. Okay. So, uh, there you have it. And, uh, Reichel is apparently, he's, well, he's, he's walking out onto a sort of diving board that they've constructed here. And there seems... Ah, there's a there's a drum roll uh, far below. You probably can hear now. And Reichel leaps, and the crowd is is clearly excited. Reichel is uh, well, we're we're waiting for the uh, inner parachute coats to uh, 
and, and he's, uh, he's still uh, falling. He, it's, um, it doesn't appear that it's... Oh, oh my! Oh! Uh, well, he never... I mean, it, 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 he hit the... Parachute just d deployed. Um, th there's just a bloody pulp. Oh, my dear God. Oh, I, some of the leading ladies in Paris in their white dresses. And, and, oh, the horror. I, oh, the humanity. I just can't. I, I have to go now. Great moments in invention history. Yeah, it's got to hurt, bro. Yeah, you might say all Franz has a permanent press. Saw what you did there. Thank you, Mr. Keynes. Didn't say I liked it. Duly noted. You can take cold comfort in knowing that. Well, friends, grab your mosquito netting, hazmat suit, and hip waders as we're venturing down once again into the ultra-dismal seepage that is... Oh, more fun in the sun, friends. Dateline, off the Georgia coast. Uh, you know what? In a way, this should be included in our great moments in invention history, but uh, a Florida man, <laughs> big surprise, <laughs> was arrested after trying to cross the Atlantic in a human-powered hamster wheel. <laughs> what? <laughs> According to court documents, Riza Bellucci was 70 miles off Georgia when officers found him during a, quote, manifestly unsafe voyage while Hurricane Franklin was headed towards the area. The Coast Guard said the vessel was, quote, afloat as a result of wiring and buoys. Oh. Bellucci, was, <laughs> Bellucci was arrested August 28th after a bizarre three-day standoff with authorities, the release said. At one point, Bellucci, who refused to get off the vessel, displayed, quote, two knives and threatened to hurt himself if officers boarded which will be rather difficult if you just take a look at the uh, attached image. According to uh, charges filed in uh, U.S. District Court for uh, Southern Florida, he also threatened to blow himself up, at which point Coast Guard officers on site contacted the Navy to determine the location of the alleged bomb. But Bellucci later revealed that the bomb was not real, according to the complaint. Bellucci told the Coast Guard crew that he was trying to travel to London in his hydropod vessel. It's not the first time authorities have found Bellucci trying to cross the ocean on a human-powered vessel. Apparently, in uh, 2014, the Coast Guard found him 70 miles off Florida in an inflatable bubble during an attempt to run around the Bermuda Triangle. Bellucci is charged with obstruction of boarding. Well, hell, maybe they should just let the guy do it. I mean, he's only going to try again. Well, I, I'll tell you, we've got a link to the uh, pictures. I, I, the, 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 it's kind of impressive, really. I mean, he, he honestly put some serious thought into this device. That may be the real problem. Dateline, Sumter County. 
more Waterside fun, friends. A Sumter County woman was arrested after allegedly attacking two people at a pool because they were, quote, doing inappropriate activities, according to deputies. <laughs> like what? Reading The Guardian? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Florida, so... Uh, well, one thing we do know is that Amanda Ferragamo, 41, was arrested and charged with domestic battery. The Sumter County Sheriff's Office said the incident happened in Lady Lake shortly after 2.30 a.m. Sunday. When deputies... Odd time to be stretching, huh? Anyway, when deputies arrived, they uh, spoke to a woman who was uh, stretching with a man by the pool, according to the uh, arrest report. Ferragamo allegedly accused them of, quote, doing inappropriate activities and then shoved and smacked her, the report said. Uh, Deputies added that the woman had a uh, red mark on her face, indicating that she was indeed hit. Ferragamo also allegedly shoved and hit the man, too. She fucking attacked us. She's pissed, the man told deputies. Evidently, uh, Ferragamo and the man are linked, making the incident domestic in nature, according to the Sumter County Sheriff's Office. Uh, They did not specify, though, their relationship further. Well, Gimp comes to mind. Uh, Ferragamo was arrested and transported to the Sumter County Detention Center uh, without bond. Uh, She has since been released. So look out, buddy. She's coming for you. And this time, it's personal. Dateline, Tampa Bay. And this one, clearly, from way, way out there. A man was arrested for driving a stolen pickup truck to a Space Force base in Brevard County in what he called a, quote, mission from the President of the United States, report said. Would that president be Trump? (laughs) Well, according to WESH2 News, uh, 29-year-old Corey Johnson of Ocala stole a Ford F-150 from Riviera Beach three days before he drove to Patrick Space Force Base. When uh, Johnson tried to get on the base, he claimed that the president told him in his mind that he needed to take the vehicle and warned government officials that there were U.S. aliens fighting Chinese dragons. Yep, Trump. He's known to do declassifying in his mind as well. (laughs) Johnson was arrested and booked into the Brevard County Jail. He was charged with a grand theft of a motor vehicle, and a bond was set at $3,000. Or they could just jettison him into the sun via giant slingshot. It's why we endlessly scratch the now balding top of our heads in the limitless query... What the fuck, Florida? And with that soul-searching question, uh, we'll call it a show, friends, but not... 
before thanking our contributors to this edition of Fusebox, Scott Campbell, Stuart Krug, and Nico Lane. Thanks as well to the maestro of meters, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance and so on and so forth. Pleasure as always, and uh, folks, you could really help us out and grab some free swag in the process by heading on over to our Patreon page, signing up as a member. Yes, indeed you could, and, and what a thrill. It will be for you to get exclusive content, early show releases, and free stuff just for signing up. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Fusebox show, and uh, a link is in the show description for you. Really, it helps a whole bunch. That it does. And uh, you can also join us uh, on that there Instagram page, too, at Fusebox Show. All one word, of course. For all the uh, shenanigans going on there, links to all that there social media stuff is also conveniently listed in that aforementioned show description. Thanks, as always, to the folks at Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine, as we genuflect in your general direction, for sponsoring this fine audio diversion. Check them out. It's the real deal. And uh, jammed with all the 42nd Street ephemera you could ever hope for. Uh, Link to them down below. So thanks, friends, for pushing play on this installment of the show. We know there's a lot competing for your ear holes these days, so... uh, Thanks for allowing us that valuable access. I have been your seemingly normal, but all bent up on the inside, host Mark Rowe saying, until our next cartoon.